and welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. I'm Dan Oliverio. I'm a chubby chaser, author, and public speaker, and there's a heat wave a-coming, so Trevor and I are escaping to San Diego. You Wait, is it going to be cooler there? Yes. Yes, it will be. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm Trevor Keyson. I'm a super chub, and I am the one who's escaping with Dan, I guess. Um, <laughs> we're, we're escaping because uh, last Thursday... Just in time for our anniversary, our air conditioning broke. Oh, no. We could have been going out to dinner. We could have been staying home and enjoying dinner. No, we were waiting for repairmen. Yes. Oh. Who ultimately <laughs> did not really fix the problem because we're getting a new air conditioning unit. Happy anniversary. Hey. Yay. Uh, the, the fourth anniversary is the air conditioner anniversary. <laughs> yes. Yes. We didn't know that. <laughs> My name is Michael. I am a chaser. And... Uh, I guess I am just sort of praying that my air conditioning doesn't also go out. In fact, all of our power went out the last two heat waves. So come on, third time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Don Marshall. I'm a chubby guy living in Hollywood. And uh, there's a blue wave a-coming, so I don't have to move to Canada. There you go. That's wishful thinking. Nice. <laughs> that is, I like it. It's positive yeah. thinking. Positive. positive thinking. There you go. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um we have made it once again in the morning to drag ourselves out of bed and drink lots of coffee to then still start our show 20 minutes late. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they don't know that. They don't know. <laughs> We're always uh, right on time. <sighs> um, we, a listener sent in, and I, I didn't actually look into this all that much because I wanted Trevor to explain it to me. <laughs> what is fat... What is Fat Bear Week and why so is it relevant? <laughs> I have been following Fat Bear Week for a while because it's a big thing on, I don't know what part of Twitter. and It's not the part you would think. So Fat Bear Week is every, <laughs> <laughs> basically at the start of fall in um, Ketamai National Park, they are kind of, you know, tracking data of the bears that are in this national park and they have a competition for who is the fattest bear in uh, <laughs> actual bear. in the park? Yes, actual bear. Yeah, in the in the but, not Provincetown. Not, I was going to yes. say I would feel like... called out if a park ranger wandered up to me and dragged me over to the main lodge. <laughs> well, this, they, one, this they, one's they, the fattest. They post. And they have like a bracket and everything. Yes. <laughs> they post pictures and people vote on which is the fattest bear. Um, but for a long time, I would always just see Fat Bear Week on. <laughs> twitter and it would kind of activate you know the lizard part of my brain like what is happening what is why is everyone talking yeah. about how fat all the bears are um, <laughs> so my question is uh do they actually have like are you trying to accurately guess the real weights of the bears or are they just saying who looks the fattest who looks the most fabulous and then you vote for whoever you like the most um you be it's a popularity contest really but i think then they do end up revealing the the weight of the bears. Um, some of them this just have like numbers. A, this sounds some like a reality them. show in the making. <laughs> uh, I'm just picturing like an Instagram model bear, like pitching himself <laughs> for it. Like, yes. <laughs> I mean, if that overlap hasn't happened yet, it super should. Cause there's a lot of market marketing uh, sort of synergy there. Uh, but so I've, I've got today, a bear ears somewhere. I could give myself a black nose. <laughs> Uh, today that you know that the day this is releasing September 30th Bareface. is the uh, the kickoff of voting for Fat Bear Week. Um, so <laughs> it's basically explore.org backslash Fat Bear Week. You can also see pictures of all the the fattest bears 
with under the hashtag uh, <laughs> Fat Bear Week or um, hashtag Bear Cam. <laughs> Which again, there's a lot of synergy here yeah. for cross promotion. National Geographic or <laughs> National Geographic? <laughs> One of these bears is called <laughs> Chunk, and I really want Chunk to win. Yes. Ch- I, uh, Ch- Chunk 2020. <laughs> Vote for Chunk. <laughs> you know, the only way this could really work, though, as a reality show is if somehow the bears were dating somebody or something. They didn't come here to make well, friends. They have bear, the handler. <laughs> I came here to be number one. Yeah. I'm picturing this reality show like that. The, the reality show that followed the little girl beauty pageants. Oh, yeah. Except it's yes. bears. So like bears in wigs learning how to walk. Okay. They that's have to have a talent winner. routine. That's the prize winner. Yes. That's the show to pitch. A bear <laughs> drinking a slurry of honey and Mountain Dew. I don't care what they went. I do what I want. <laughs> oh my god, Honey Boo Boo. That's yeah. the point. That's the point. That's that's it. That's why this She's is just the new such host. genius. Yeah, Honey Boo Bear. Honey yeah. Boo Bear. Um, so moving right along, we have uh, an update. And Trevor, didn't you mention that they were re- they were picking up Sumo again in LA? The yes. practices. So and they posted the dates, and I don't think they really have any. Um, safety practices like there's uh, at all there's, there's no, i haven't seen anything in the emails like oh we're doing temperature checks and everything um but then i happened to see uh on i don't know sumo twitter um this lovely photo essay about sumo in japan during the pandemic oh how's that um going? it's happening but there's a lot of wrestlers who aren't participating uh i mean they're doing temperature checks um anyone yeah. I mean, there's very few people kind of watching, um, but there's strict mask rules for viewers. It's really it's they they have a very limited, you know, if if their stadium has ten thousand seats, they're only letting twenty five hundred tickets sell, and it's it's trying to be very limited and responsible as far as the audience goes. But I think it's it's interesting to me because it's the same thing is happening in in soccer and a lot of professional sports where. I mean, sports, you have the athletes who've made it their profession to be as good as they can um, and to compete. But at the same time, it's a reminder that a sport is actually entertainment. It's meant to be done for an audience, no matter how much of it is like a discipline and something that you do for yourself. It's supposed to be watched. It's supposed to be done in front of lots of people who are interested and have you know opinions and want to root for you. And part of the article that Trevor shared was about how like even though they're trying to be socially responsible, they're still having a hard time getting people to fill uh, the the stadium. Where in a sport and in a place where this is ext- the fans are extremely loyal and they will they will show up no matter what. Usually, um, and it's kind of a sad thing to see because I know that watching I I like soccer and I I follow Barcelona um, and you know they'll they're playing games where they score a goal and they want to celebrate and usually you go to the corner of the field to celebrate with the audience. But there isn't one. Oh wow! Mm. Um, but on the plus side, we're seeing some some sort of, I guess, fat gay representation um, on a show on Hulu, right? Yes. Uh, Pen Fifteen, the second season just came out, oh, yeah. um, and so I mean, spoiler, but it's it's been talked about pretty widely, and it, the second season just came out, so I don't feel bad talking about it. Um, but there is a kind of a, a subplot in the season um, where one of the characters uh, boyfriends is kind of realizing he's gay um, mm-hmm. and he's this little chubby kid. And it's, I think it's been resonating with a lot of, um, I don't know, 
millennials um, mm. because it so uh, Pen15 is two uh, 30-year-old actresses playing themselves at 13. And, and the, the rest, rest of the cast, cast is, is age appropriate. Um, age 13. And it takes mm-hmm. place in the, you know, early 2000s. Like for me, it's, you know, I was that age at that time going through that. Yeah. And also, I think it's the first time we've really seen like, I mean, there's not a lot of queer representation in that age group in TV of someone coming to terms with their sexuality. And I don't think there has ever been, you know, a fat character going through that. I think it's a double win because so often kid, any 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 storyline where the kids are under 18, there's this, you know, we're, we know they're sexual, but we're not going to talk about that because it, it it might get us into hot water if we talk about yeah. people under 18 having sex. And then to make that a gay character and then to make that a gay chubby character, that's kind of revolutionary. Yeah. And the the flip side of it is uh, this article that we're talking about is a, it's actually BuzzFeed. News yes, article BuzzFeed uh, by David Mack. It's really, really well put together and, and pulls on a lot of different interviews and subjects that I think is well worth the read. Um, but to to sort of contrast with Dan's point, the other side of it is that sometimes you get like movies that which a lot of people love this movie. I, I haven't seen it, but love Simon, where the main character is sort of struggling with being gay and like but it's it's a very sort of traditionally good looking guy whose only struggle is kind of I have never found a way to connect boy? with those movies. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's just not my experience. It has nothing to do with my life. So I just well, the I other big thing here, too, it. is that they're not. And, and yeah, Don, I'm totally in your camp. <laughs> but the other thing, too, is mm-hmm. that the I think Pen15, isn't it middle schoolers? Like, isn't it even younger? It's, younger. it's junior high. It is. Junior yeah, high, yeah. So it's, it's because we're, we're kind of used to the the 24-year-old the actor, actor playing 17, 18 and, you know, having mm. sex or kissing a relationship. And we go, yeah, of course, that's fine. But when you, when you scale it all the way back to junior high and then talking about sexuality and, and things like that, it really gets relevant. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think nothing against movies like Love, Simon. I, it's not a contrast in that sense. It's just more of a like how how um, gritty are you going to go with it? Like how like the sort of I'm, you know, a, a junior in high school and I'm really attractive, but I'm still figuring out how I want to be gay. That's one thing. If you're like if you get into the really ugly years of I'm 13 or, I'm, you know, and I'm I, and I have no idea about anything and I'm sort of the the kid that everybody ignores and I'm chubby and I'm whatever. And, and I don't even know what gay is yet. And that's the story you're focusing on. I think that gets into a much more grind. It's just harder to get into stories like that without being brutally honest. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're, we're skipping or we're, we're pushing mailbag back a little bit. We'll get to that in a second, but, uh, First up, it's Lizzo oh, Watch 2020. It's still oh, here. It's, it <laughs> <laughs> it's here. It's back. <laughs> Lizzo Watch. What's going on? <laughs> like Trevor just wrote a new theme song. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so first up, um, Lizzo kind of swept the nominations for the Billboard Music Awards. She got 11 Woo! nominations. Uh, wow. Hell yeah. Yes. Top new artist, top female artist, top song sales artist, top radio songs artist, top R&B artist, top R&B female artist, top 100 song, top selling song, top radio song, top Hmm. R&B song, top rap song. 
Damn. It's funny to think of her as a new artist. I keep, that still blows me away, but I think it's because of how long this year feels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the first time I talked about her was around Christmas time. Wow. Yes. It was the first time I'd had a conversation about her. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. Um, congrats, Lizzo. I'm, yeah, congrats to Lizzo. She, I hope she wins every yes, single one everyone. of them. I hope it's she needs like a, a little red wagon to carry all of her awards. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw, by the way, just a random side fact since we're in Lizzo Watch. Apparently, she has a life-size version of the tiny purse that she brought to the to the red carpet. Wait, she has a life-size version <laughs> of the little purse. She has a purse, is what you mean. She has a purse, but it's the same, <laughs> it's the same purse. So she, clearly the purse existed, and then she said, No, no, make me a tiny one. <laughs> or she, you know, fell in some water and kind of got. It's like one of those little foam dinosaurs and just kind of swelled up. A shrinky dink. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so nope. uh, more recognition for Lizzo. Lizzo is on the cover of Vogue magazine. She certainly is. Oh, yes. Um, and we had a lot of listeners send this in when, yes. it, when it came and up. Can I just say, this what was, a fabulous dress. Jesus Christ. That's yes. Oh, my God. Dress is like the photo shoot that they did oh. with her. Like mm-hmm. she just works it. The red dress on the actual cover is like stunning. The mm-hmm. actual photo Absolutely. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I like the um, the hot pink um, kind of. I don't even know how to describe sort it. Sort of gown. I like gown, the purple one too. Yeah. yeah, I just love how gay we are. Can I just say how fucking gay? <laughs> <I love it. laughs> but so, I, but I, the the, not, the best part of this is the is the interview and the article yes. that they wrote about her. Uh, um, there's a wonderful feature. Lizzo talks about um, kind of her her start. She talks about the election. She talks about kind of this idea of body positivity but how body positivity is being co-opted and like she just wants to normalize fat bodies um mm-hmm. it's body it's, normalization yes is a, is the phrase that she used which i think is really cool because she's right i mean the point that she was making was and again you should read the article because there's a lot more there um written by uh claudia rankin i think her name is Rankin rankin um but the quote from lizzo it, she when she was talking about body positivity it was that it's it's sort of been co-opted and commercialized, but also normalized in the sense that like a lot of women that you would say are like a little curvy or, you know, like have a little bit of extra, but not necessarily like, you know, fat women, like really fat women are are now using body positivity as their kind of like calling card, their hashtag. And, she, and Liz is saying like, that's fine. Like have that, like, please be a part of this movement. We're all in it together. But I feel like the people who originally needed the term body positivity no longer get to have it anymore. It's now mm-hmm. it's now this other thing. And we need to keep pushing for the women who have a belly, who have thighs, who actually have some of those really big fat curves that that body positivity was initially for. Um, and so that's it's, it's her point is like this is a reminder that we need to continue forward. We can't just be happy with. The, the where body positivity as a term has settled because it's it's sort of settled down into something more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the also the fatosphere has taken that up, and that's why you see terms like uh, body liberation or fat liberation or ending fat oppression mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. body positivity has become like wow, we need a movement to not hate what you look like. That's a mm-hmm. movement, uh, well, and and also the, as as you said, the commercialization of you know we can sell anything from soap to makeup if we say body positivity alongside it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. I also like body normalization because so in the whole kind of, bo- I'll say body politics conversation, because there's all these terms. Yes. Um, 
there has been kind of a splinter off from body positive body positivity called body neutrality, which I, I'm not too well versed in, but it is I almost I almost feel like it's like nihilism where it's just this like my body is a body and it is not good or bad. It is a vessel. I like body normalization because that is kind of the that it was kind of the original goal of body positivity that has kind of once again been co-opted, kind of morphed into this uh I kind of think of Akira, like the giant has anyone else seen Akira? Listeners have I, seen I, Akira. <laughs> it's basically <laughs> this I'm giant you, monst- body horror monster where it's like <laughs> diet pills are being marketed with body positivity now. And it's like, no, that's not it's <laughs> that's not what this was. I'm I'm a fan of the contraction. It's no longer body positivity because it's so commercial. And that was just Bopo. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I've got a Huff Post article up that's attempting to explain body neutrality. So I'll just read a quick little bit about it because I was curious. I'd never heard that. Or I think maybe, Trevor, you brought it up like when we first started the show. Yeah. But um, basically saying like it's intended to help participants acknowledge that loving their bodies isn't always realistic. Sometimes it's okay to land somewhere in between in a more neutral place. Um, it's about seeing your body as a vehicle that when treated with care can help you move about the world in ways that bring you joy. That's it. Not thinking about how you look either good or bad. I there's actually a point uh and it was like 2 weeks ago I was in the shower and I was thinking of a body politics alignment chart uh, yeah. <laughs> which I was talking with Dan about I still have it yeah. kind of in my, uh, my that's notes That's clever. App. It's um, it's a bit primordial but I see yes. where you're going. Um so maybe um uh, <laughs> I'll I'll probably pick that up again at work it work on it and maybe I'll share it with you guys so you can give some input cuz it was sort fun a, to come up with, but body neutrality, like, uh, body neutrality was kind of the true neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Or like lawful neutral. Seems appropriate. Like, yeah. Body true neutrality. It's very sticky though. This, all the terms and what people mean by the terms and it's, it's all very slippery. Yeah. Yes. I started yeah. trying to come up with an alignment chart for 2020 and I just got too depressed to finish. It. No, Don, no. don't do it. <laughs> it, um, it just hurt, Michael. It hurt. Uh, I have one more kind of Lizzo Watch, Lizzo Watch adjacent thing, a follow-up. I didn't share this last week, but I mentioned it. The <laughs> the Phantom of the Wapra. I don't clean, but let me tell you, I got this ring. Gobble me, swallow me, drip down inside of me. Jump out for you, let it get inside of me. I tell them where to put it, never tell them where I'm about to be. I'll run down on the bar, I have a nigga running me. Talk your shit, bite your dip. Ask for a call, why you ride that dick? Why you really ain't never got a fucking for a thing? You already made his mind, that boy came out. Get your dick, can your coat. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> I really like towards like once they get into the really iconic theme mm-hmm. uh, where you hear the the organ playing while she's singing the chorus of yeah it, that to me is like the <laughs> it's really cute it's so dramatic but yeah that's a little the the continuing saga the wet ass pizza saga <laughs> yes that is I, I like to think of these as like almost like little palate cleansers <laughs> in oh, before we get to the the meat of uh the episode which this what week, is our meat today yeah it's we the have... mail bag <gasps> we have a meaty mail bag I'm, I'm dancing to the music in my head <laughs> so <laughs> and, <laughs> and you look adorable it's the mailbag dance yes so we had a listener write in uh, 
uh, last week, I guess, um, with a really, uh, th- this is something that I think we've vaguely brushed on, yes. but we really haven't gotten into. And, and it was such a good question that we were like, you know, this is, this is worth making like the main subject for today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to dive right in and you guys, I guess, just let me know if I've said enough, but this is a, I think a really good question. Um, Super Chub Nick writes, Hello, my fellow big and small gays. I love your podcast and of course y'all as well. I have a question. I've been watching Hot and Heavy on TLC and I'm one episode in, which is just so you know, that's the show that we referenced, I think, in episode two way back in the day. Um, One of the couples on the show is having an interesting issue, which I thought would be a good discussion for the pod. The wife is in the mixed weight couple, which parentheses, I hate this term. Uh, That's what he says. Uh, she wants to lose weight through pla- uh, gastric bypass surgery uh, so she can improve her chances of pregnancy and improve her overall health. Her husband, on the other hand, is resistant to the surgery, but is open to her becoming more healthy through other means. In the show, he expresses how the idea of his wife drastically losing weight is a big concern of his because he likes his wife's appearance as is or even larger. Do you think the husband would be in the wrong if he potentially left his wife over a drastic weight loss? Thanks again for the podcast that tackles societal fat phobia, fat bias, and chase chub issues. Stay cute, stay sassy, stay classy. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Um, I, I should just say that wow. I, get, I get this question as a chaser personally a lot. I get it in almost every seminar I lead, and it's something that I that I felt I had to address in my book when I wrote it. This is a big deal in the mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. It and, is, and I speak about it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and I also feel like the the question being raised by the show is one that's a little different than Oh, there's two or three deal with as gay men because Mm. of the child issue. Well, but there's two different issues here. There's the health issue of gastric bypass, and then there's the chub chaser issue of what if they lose a drastic amount of weight. No, Mm. and what I'm saying is there's a third issue here. And then the if she cannot have a child, if that is a life goal of hers, if she can't have a child at her weight, and she can't achieve her life goal that way, what effect does that have on the decision too? You yeah, know, I, I that's, think that's, that's kind something of, we don't have to deal with. But no, it's, it's not something but, but that I, can't be ignored. But I think that it's not such a stretch to say that that is a life goal. A lot of fat men have a goal of not being as fat as they are. So whether it's to achieve a particular end as concrete as childbirth. And by the way, a lot of fat women do get pregnant. It's not it's not that cut and dry. But I think a lot of fat men would argue that there's things they want to do in their life that their weight prohibits them from doing. So I think it it sort of wraps into that for us. Although I mean, yeah, if you want to make think a secret- reproduction is sort of a whole different ballpark. That's uh, yeah, but well, I also don't sort think, of I don't a think, primal I what, thing. Eh, I get so. what well, I get what Dan's saying. I mean, his point is that like yes, the the pregnancy issue gives it an entire other level of importance and gravitas. Like it is, mm-hmm. it adds an entire new context to it. But it, functionally, if you're talking yes. about whether or not to lose weight in a relationship, functionally, it starts in the same place of we are quote unquote a mixed weight couple. Does the fatter person lose weight to achieve a goal? And if so, how does that affect the couple? Yeah. I, I um, think the childbirth thing sanctifies the decision because we put such, we have such accord and regard and uh, taboo around reproduction and childbirth. But I think it's, it's just a goal like any other. Right. Okay. I, I can't agree oh. with that, but I understand what you're saying. Okay. Well, I, I think in the terms of just, I mean, the listener question, I think we should just sidebar the whole childbirth aspect. Yeah, I don't know that any of us is going to be able to. It's not necessarily per- pertinent to our particular listener group, maybe. It it could, it certainly could be. I'm just, I'm my concern is that we're going to be speaking well outside our, yeah. our realm of 
personal experience. So that'll that'll just end up, I don't know, it might get a little sticky. Um, mm-hmm. But there are a lot, there's a lot of other aspects of this that we can speak to. Yes. Um, so Dan, what is your starting point when you discuss this? So the first thing I try to get people to understand is, yes, this is a real issue. So it's not because a, a lot of chasers will say, oh, no, I would never do that. Oh, no, that's the no, that's just a terrible, vicious stereotype. No, it's not. And there's two prongs to this. The first is I point out that chubby chasers have a lot bigger range of desirability and what they find attractive than most normal people. Like most normal people out there have about a 30 pound variance in what they find sexually attractive, whereas chubby chasers can have a hundred or 200 pound range in what they think of as sexually attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge, so, you know, it's, it's not in, in the, in the, let's call it the normal world. Somebody gains 30 pounds and like, uh, oh, whereas, you know, for a chubby yeah. chaser, gaining or losing 30 pounds is, is not that huge a deal because of, we know what you're talking about and our range goes bigger. And the other thing I like to remind chubs is that it's not a matter of, you know, you lost weight, so I don't love you anymore. But if you think, yeah. if you, if you turn the tables, if you think about, uh, a fat person and most fat persons do not find other fat persons attractive. i realize there are many who do, but by and large, most fat people do not want to date someone who looks like them as a sexual turn on. Like that's not attractive. So if you can imagine a chubby person who really loves their fit chaser and the fit chaser gains a hundred pounds, that is absolutely going to change the relationship. Does it mean you leave? Does it mean you don't have sex? I didn't say that. I just said it changes the relationship. It is no longer the same relationship you had. And it's not the case that body size is incidental or invisible. That just doesn't happen, especially in our relationships. So again, the, the two things are number one, chasers get a lot of, uh, um, blame for this, but we actually have a much wider weight variance than others. And if you switched it, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of fat guys would find it very disappointing if their lover gained a hundred pounds. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly, I don't think anyone could really argue the idea that it changes. It, it, it just changes the landscape of, of what you're looking at as far as, uh, as far as the relationship goes. And, and I think the. The thing that people struggle with as far as what I've kind of seen on my side of things is like, is the idea of like, I feel like people, and maybe this is just an American thing, but I feel like people try so hard to separate the idea of romantic love from sexual attraction. Like if you love somebody, you're going to be attracted to them no matter what they look like, Mm -hmm. which is... It, it that's the part that trips me up because it's like I mean you you can always love somebody like if you yeah. if you love yeah. them you can always love them but trying to pull apart sex from a romantic relationship and saying well if I'm not sexually attracted to my partner anymore it doesn't matter because I'm still I still love them I care about them well but that is different like that relationships as as far as what I've understood and what I've experienced like they are supposed to be about many things including sex and sexual attraction like that is that is part of how you fulfill each other's lives in a way that you don't do with your friends and your family like that is what is unique about it um yeah and i was going to say that if if love is all you need then why don't gay guys marry their favorite gal pal 
Why do they hold out? Sure. For, why do they find, mm. Why do they hold out for another guy? You know, I've known a few marriages where I suspected. <laughs> well, exactly. And and let's look at this. Where do you draw the line at where you think it's acceptable to leave the relationship based on a change? So let's table the issue of gaining or losing 100 pounds. And for a chubby chaser, by the way, you know, it's kind of implied that the the body style and size is somewhat important to the relationship as it is for everybody. But, you know, ours gets noticed more because it's outside the norm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let's say someone had, let's say that you're, uh, you're in a heterosexual relationship and the man comes out as gay. Should they stay together because they still love each other? Or would the wife be justified in leaving because, hey, her husband's gay now? Or what That's about- an, actually a very interesting comparison. Or, or is, what if the partner, what if one of the partners has a, a gender reassignment? Are they obligated to stay together because you really love the person and it doesn't matter what, you know, that might change things. And I'm not saying that you need to leave or you shouldn't leave or anything like that. I'm just saying that you must acknowledge, and I do with couples with this, the couple has to find their own solution. And sometimes right. that's you stay friends, but you're no longer romantic partners. And sometimes you just continue as you were going because you say it's not the biggest thing in the relationship. That's not for us to say. That's for the couple to say. Mm -hmm. But it must be acknowledged that we don't get to judge what's valid or invalid. That's the couple's, that's the couple's business. This, yeah. this question made me think of um, uh, an essay I read. Uh, this was actually in the, the workshop I did where I wrote my New York Times essay. Um, and I believe this woman's essay was published, but I couldn't find it, so I, I'm not able to share it. But she wrote about um, her fiancé was in a hiking accident, and it ended up paralyzed from the waist down. And it was really, it was traumatic for both of them, and she, it changed their relationship. I mean, just, you know, they were still in love with each other, but she kind of took on this caregiver role, and she was okay with it, but he didn't like it, and it was they were, you know, their overnight, their relationship transformed and it was a physical change, but it wasn't in, I'm not, I'm not comparing it to gastric bypass, but this, they had, they came to this crossroads of, you know, are we going to, you know, are we still getting married or what, what do we want to do? And he said, you know, I wanted to walk down the aisle with you. And he's like, that's not a possibility now. He's like, I don't want to roll down the aisle with you. And he's like, this isn't what either of us signed on for. He opened the conversation, but it was a very mutual parting. And they both ended up then finding new partners. They have a new relationship now, you know, but it was just this, whenever there is any kind of drastic physical change in a relationship, it changes how you are with that person. Right. I'm curious, Don, what your take is on all of this. Like, how does that, how does that hit you? Like if you were in a, a relationship, like, like, let's say like Dan's example, like where the chaser gains a hundred pounds, what, what happens there? Like, what, like what is the, in that hypo hypothetical situation, um, what would that do to you? I think Dan's way of explaining it, of, uh, it changing the relationship, not ending it is very much my thinking. Um, mm -hmm. if I'm not attracted to someone, I don't want to sleep with you. I mean, that, uh, that's true, but right. But physical appearance isn't the only factor for my attraction. Like uh, if you, if you put together a rogues gallery of all my exes, there's almost no constant physical through line to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but that said is the emotional component 
in your romantic relationship different from the emotional components that you see in a standard friendship? Like if it is, if there is a different in your romantic feelings, then adjustments need to be made if you want to hold the relationship together. Like for me, when you, the comparison to a trans couple where someone reveals themselves as trans after the relationship has begun and makes those transitions, that's, I've seen that happen. And I've been very surprised at how many relationships have survived it. Hmm. Where, you know, you started off in a heterosexual relationship and now you're in a gay one and that sort of thing. Um, Right. So what I was going to kind of tie that back to is if you look at Trevor's example of the couple that broke up uh, and the inciting event was uh, the man's, I guess, paraplegia. So the headline on that story is woman leaves man after terrible accident. Like that's the headline for that story. Mm But that's not how the couple experiences it. But that's often how it gets reflected in the world. And similarly, I think a lot of times when we see uh, a mixed couple break up and the the fat person lost weight, a lot of times it's the chaser gets blamed with like, well, he left. So obviously he's a douche because he left and anyone who leaves is a douche. Uh, Sometimes, by the way, it's the fat person who lost the weight that decides they need to leave because now they're experiencing life at a different size and they'd like to experience that life, you know, in a different context than they had before without this partner or in a different way, uh, in a different liaison Mm -hmm. with this partner. Again, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember when when I was breaking up with one of my exes and I was absolutely devastated Um, and he said, it's okay. Because I was like, we don't have a relationship anymore. I was really young and silly. Anyway, and, and he said to me, he said, no, no, Dan, we still have a relationship. We just have a different relationship. And you and, say, and the couple gets to define what that new relationship is, not other people. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that you can look at how two people are together in broader terms than dating or broken up. You know, like that, that there can be like we maybe we started as friends and then we were partners uh, romantically and then there was a breakup. But then now we're we're friends, but closer friends than normal friends would be. And that there's no there's not necessarily a single context for people to be able to be together in, like that there can be a fluidity to it and that life does change people that you're not going to stay the same person emotionally or physically or both or neither for you know 10 20 years like in that sometimes those changes change how you interact with each other as well that's what i wanted to lead into exactly it's while we're talking about this as though it's a exclusively chub chaser thing i i think fundamentally what it comes down to it's the same thing almost every long-term couple is going to have to tackle at some point where physical attraction begins to wane Maybe because of overfamiliarity, just too long, or it's been forever, need for more variety. You know, uh, these are issues that every relationship has to tackle at some point. So in this one, we're not alone. We can talk to a lot of different people about their experiences and how they overcame it. Um, I've seen couples, when the change happens, I've seen couples change the relationship uh, where they tried to stay stay together, but they opened the relationship to other partners. I've seen um, the people like go away for six months and try and rebuild something new together uh, farther off. But this is something that you could ask your parents, you could ask your grandparents, you could ask older neighbors. 
I guarantee they've gone through something like this at some point and have had to try and take a couple swings at solving this problem. So gather, you know, people who know you who have gone through it before may have better advice than any of us could ever come up with. There's another aspect here that I often get into in my counseling, which is that if you're a fat person and you're trying to lose weight and you succeed, you are going to get the accolades of the world bestowed upon you. People are applauding you. People are telling you how great you look. And people will say this in the presence of your chaser partner. Oh my God, he's lost so much weight. Isn't that great? Hmm. And you as the chaser are thinking like, yeah, that's great. I'm glad he's happy. And there is, there is something that happens to the chaser oftentimes, not all the time. It depends which chaser. It depends how much weight we're talking about. It depends on a lot of things. But there are some chasers in some circumstances where the weight loss is a secret death and they feel guilty about it because they don't want to, they feel like they don't have a right to be unhappy or dissatisfied when their partner is becoming happier uh, Mm -hmm. because that's how the partner has weight loss wired up. So So the chaser has no one to talk to about this and the chaser feels horribly guilty for these feelings of no. (laughs) (laughs) and you think like and and that's happened to me in relationships where my partner lost weight and i was mentally screaming inside and i had absolutely no right i felt to say anything about that to 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 make that an issue because it's not my body it's not my like i don't get a say in someone else's body that just, that's just, right. that's not my province, right? But I can't deny that I'm having an internal reaction to this. And 99% of the people with whom I share this are not going to be sympathetic. Right. Like, who am right. I going to talk to about this? Yeah. I, I wonder if there's like a chaser support group out there. Well, that's, unfortunately, there is not. <laughs> Very few chasers Colin. relate to each other as, as confidants Call in to friends. the Big Fat Gay Podcast. You really should, yeah. Whereas, um, by the by the way, the opposite of that is chubs because chubs talk to each other all the time. Gainers talk to each other all the time. Chasers and encouragers, not so much. Mm-hmm. I found that the the hard part because this has come up in in my relationships before, where you and pretty frequently, to be honest, like the idea of like what like you you start a relationship with somebody and it's assumed that you are attracted to each other. That's where you start. That's your baseline, right? And um. A lot of times the idea of losing weight comes up like, you know, hey, what well, you know, would you still find me attractive if I lost weight? How much? Like at what point does it okay? Sometimes it's not even talked about that openly. Sometimes it's kind of vaguely danced around or implied and it's it feels like this taboo subject because it, it is sticky. Um, and the thing that I have a hard time explaining is like I like Dan was saying at the beginning, like I I genuinely have a range of what I find attractive, like a really wide range of probably a couple hundred pounds, maybe even 300. Like if I'm going to break it down into concrete terms like that, like there's, there's a really wide range of what I will find somebody very, very attractive in. Um, but then the next question is, are we talking about like, oh, you want to live healthier, like you're going to eat certain foods and get more exercise and that will probably naturally result in some weight loss. That may be, you know, 20, 30, 50, 80 pounds, depending on where they are. Or are you talking about getting surgery where you mm. want to eventually look like me? Because those are two, those are two different things. And I can kind of, I can genuinely work with you on one of those things as far as like, yes, like this is, this is basically okay. Like I'm, I will, I will be, 
on the journey with you for this, but then the second one, like you want to completely rewrite how you look. I, that is, that is a, that's something that I would have a really hard time um, talking about. Like I've never had to have that conversation before. And, but that would be, I, I don't know how that would go. Like Dan was saying, like, I, I don't think that would, I don't think the relationship as a romantic sexual relationship would survive that. Like, in fact, I can just say that it wouldn't for me. And, um, and I can say from experience that I surprised myself. Like, I didn't think it would be a, such a big deal. I, I, you know, I was, I was like, where's that screaming coming from? Oh my God, that's in my head. It's, it's inside me. the house. <laughs> it's inside the house. Um, it's coming I, from inside and, the brain. And all I'm saying is that, you know, chasers will stay, will say stuff. Chubbs will say stuff. And sometimes you don't really know until you get there. The thing that helped me, um, which Dan, I don't know if you mind if I share this from your book, but sure. um, that helped me kind of start wrapping my brain around the idea of how a, a chaser kind of acts in the world of romance is the idea of like attraction to fat being on a completely different sexuality spectrum than attraction to gender or other mm. sexualities. Like attraction to body size is its own sexuality like it and and can work in tandem with or against other spectrums of sexuality like gay versus straight versus bi versus everything else yeah what i was saying there is that um, sometimes body size is actually more important than gender like you could like fat women right fat men but for, they got to be fat for christ's sake exactly but that's as far as a way of thinking about like how could you you know lo not love the person you're in love with um it's i think a lot of people on the outside of this issue think about it like, oh, a sexual preference, like, you know, a straight guy liking blonde women. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, it's, it's actually not equivalent to that. Like that is not the way to, to frame it where it's going to start making sense for people. Like yeah. at least for me, that, that, that's, that's, you have to start separating it from like, oh yeah, like I, you know, I really get off when a, you know, a woman has like long, long hair. Well, okay. <clears throat> That's not what we're talking about. And if I brought in a guy with long hair and say, well, what's the difference? I mean, they both have long hair. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and expect the straight guy to go, yeah, sure, that works. No, hmm. no. <laughs> uh, because we just decide that gender is the top of that preference pyramid, but very often well, I mean, it's if not. you're just looking down at the top of their head, does it really I think it's sort of natural that we talk a lot about the, the chaser's perspective on this because it, that seems to be the more foreign perspective to the mainstream so well to speak. we're the weird guys it's but, okay we, we know that <laughs> yeah but just a quick i just wanted to say a quick shout out to the chubby guys out there of your feelings when your partner's body changes are valid too mm -hmm. like don't yeah. discount them because well i'm fat and now he's getting fatter i don't really have the right to say anything because you know i'm already there he's just moving in my direction no it's I hear that so thing. much. Yeah. I hear that so much from Chubbs of them yeah. trying to get over their the chaser's weight gain by saying, well, you know, I'm still fatter, so I can't really say anything. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. But the truth mm -hmm. is, like, you know, it, it goes both ways. Absolutely. You know, you fell you fell for the person the, the you fell for the body that they had at the time. You know, you may still like the person that's inside that body, but if it's a different body, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to open the door to conversations about encouraging your partner to lose weight if if that's what it takes for you to to get back together on that same plane uh the same way that he could express to you like i like you larger it's okay for them to say the feelings it doesn't mean either of you have to obey the other but mm -hmm. 
having that conversation, knowing where you stand, that actually gives you a place to work from. Mm-hmm. If if you don't share what you want, no one's going to get where you want to be ever. Mm-hmm. And I just really would urge people to get out of the judgment space of what you think is a valid reason to break up because not everyone agrees. And I could change the situation where you all of a sudden, you know, what if I said, you know, Hey Trevor, you know what I think we should do? We should buy a pig farm in Iowa. That's yes. what I've always wanted to do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan, you've now committed. <laughs> and you know, I can imagine a lot of partners being like, no, no, I am not going with you to have mm-hmm. pigs in Iowa. That's not what we're going to do. And I'm like, well, then I guess you don't mm-hmm. love me. No, it's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I, I think it's I mean just such a a messy topic especially because you know what we're discussing is so often it, it it's usually the opposite where someone's partner gains a significant amount of weight and it is this issue of I'm no longer attracted to this person and they're made into the villain. I don't know. I think a great solution to these problems is non-monogamy. I Yep. And I think we're seeing more of that as we move forward in time, in, in the, the flat circle of time. <laughs> I think we should do an episode on non-monogamy sometime. Yes. Um, yeah. It, That'd be a good one. And I think, you know, it's th- that's a whole other thing. That's another episode. That's That'll another be episode. episode. <laughs> Michael can put the number back in later. <laughs> yeah. But what that gets to is there are a lot of different solutions. There is yes. no one right solution for it. Breaking it doesn't have to mean breaking up. No. There are other ways to fulfill the sexual yeah. needs of a relationship, which could mean bringing someone else in, could be mean adding new context to the way the two of you have sex yeah. and engage with each other. And the it also CDC does- currently recommends glory holes. Give that a try. And the other I, side of that is that is that Don, it also means that breaking up is also not wrong. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, I yeah, I didn't even know that yeah. was a question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a potential solution next week for pop culture that I'm very excited to share. (laughs) Stay tuned for next week's episode. Cue that Jeopardy theme. Where Trevor will be telling you where his new glory hole is. Yes. This is a, this is, it's like a glory hole, but it also is not. (laughs) And that's as much as you get. (laughs) Tune in for episode 36. Anything else on this subject, folks? Ah, I mean, I'm sure, but for for now, for that question, I mean, without bringing in other stuff, I think that's the end. Of the yeah. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do we have a tip? Ooh. Yes. Um. So, if you're a member of this world, uh, you've been seeing <laughs> that it's burning. And last week, there was the the rough latest update in the Brianna Taylor case. Um, so my tip is yeah. to donate to the Louisville Bail Fund because um, mm. there is there have been ongoing protests. Uh, I know the um, curfew has been lifted as of today, the the twenty eighth of September. Um, I think the p- protests will go on, rightfully so, and people are going to need bail money. So please contribute. Yeah. It's uh, a great idea. Something that's also been happening is that protesters have been facing inordinately high yes. bails, whereas the people who actually commit the who actually you know commit the murders are like you know hundred dollars. They'll take care of it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean that's if the cops pick them up. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Well, you um, it is the cops. But that's not <laughs> it's coming from inside the house. <laughs> but yes, please. Uh, the the bails. It's been ridiculous. I've I've been seeing that some people have been charged. Like it's like a million dollars. What? Uh, yeah, you you were caught walking down the street. Yeah. Well, and so, they just passed a law in Florida, or they're trying to pass a law in Florida, where if you are arrested at a protest where violence has occurred, you can be stripped of your voting rights. Yeah. What? Oh yeah, you didn't yeah. know about this. I'm not sure. If I it's had Florida. not heard that. I'm not sure if it's Florida, but it is definitely one of the state legislatures uh, to try to curb all this uh, all this uppity protesting to oh, yeah. to take away voting rights. You know, which is which is which is just genius, right? Because one just take away their their most important ability to protest. Yeah. <laughs> Donate to bail funds. Yeah, <laughs> Donate to bail Donate funds. To bail. It's important. And <laughs> and and. And vote for Biden. Yeah. Just, just do it. Yeah, the, please. They're clutching yeah. their wheel again. But Trevor, <laughs> bite, the bullet, bite the bullet. Vote blue all the way down the ticket. Yeah. That's the only just way we're going to get out of this freaking mess. Grit your fucking teeth. If you need to blame me, then blame me. I don't care. I will take that blame. Yeah. Let's just get. I've through been blaming this Michael year. for years. It makes things much easier. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I, I um, want to get to the bits. Just the bits. Just the bits. Just right. bits, no just kibble, bits. all bits. <laughs> to celebrate, all, all bits all the time. <laughs> to celebrate Fat Bear Week, I have a bit where we're going to learn so much about our favorite fat bears. I'm so excited <laughs> for this. <laughs> yes, okay. he said, speaking as a fat bear. All right, so we're going multiple <laughs> choice again. Uh, you know the deal, boys. Hanna Barbera ran into some problems with their new creation, Yogi Bear, when he started making it big. Which of the following was one of those problems? Mm. One, they were sued by Smokey Bear creator who <laughs> thought that uh, by the Smokey Bear creator who thought their friendly bear living in the park was too similar to his own creation. Mm. Two, they had to deal with threats of a lawsuit from baseball great Yogi Berra over the use of his name. <laughs> ah. Three, they were sued by an Indian spiritual leader, Yogi Baru who claimed they were belittling his faith and practices or huh. four Hanna-Barbera had to sue a South Carolina adult performer named Boo Boo, who would appear on stage with a picnic basket and a park <laughs> ranger and do things not appropriate for Saturday morning television. Oh my God. I want that one. I don't care if it's true. I want that one. It is the bestest. I'm torn between Yogi Berra and Smokey the bear. Yeah, but I'm going to go with uh, Yogi Berra, the baseball. Yogi Berra. Well, okay. I'll I'll go with Smokey the Bear just to st we'll do go scatter shot. One of us will be right. All right, the correct answer is Yogi Berra. Ah, uh, Yogi Berra. Apparently, he did actually consider suing them at one point, uh, but years after the fact, it sort of came out that there was never really serious consideration, and his children loved watching the show and thinking of him, <laughs> so he really enjoyed that. So he, Yogi nice. Berra was fine with Yogi Bear. So just for clarification, I was wrong. It's not the porn star. It is not the porn star. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry, Damn Dan. <laughs> Although now we maybe we know what to get you for your next birthday. <laughs> well, my, in another world. My nickname. In another life. Uh, <laughs> I already have my boo-boo. My nickname <laughs> as a child was boo-boo because I would always hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> and he does a really good boo-boo bear impersonation. Boy, oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yogi. <laughs> nice that's really good i love it all right <laughs> question two smoky bear note not smoky the bear as he's usually known was actually a real bear 
Smokey lived in the Smithsonian's National Zoo after he found as a cub badly burned during a New Mexico forest fire. Over his 26 years as the official ambassador for wildfire prevention, he became so incredibly popular that which of the following became true? One, he received so much mail he received his own zip code. Hmm. Two, bear breeders from around the world paid upwards of $25,000 a session for his stud services. Oh, oh. That's like you, three. <laughs> he became the only real bear to have ever had a state-sponsored tours on every continent except Antarctica. Four, when he died, his hide was collected, tanned, and divided into multiple pieces oh to be placed on display in places of honor in 20 major American parks. <laughs> Crowds found the display morbid, though, and the displays were quickly taken down. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with four because um, there was, what was it? Sergeant Stubbs. Trevor loves a little leather. No, uh, (laughs) there is a famous military dog that they stuffed and put in the Smithsonian. So this kind Mm -hmm. of tracks with that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got one for tanning his hide. The thing is, in 2020, it's impossible to determine impossible from improbable from. Yeah, that really happened. (laughs) Don't even try. If it was going, 2020, like Smokey the Bear would be like held up and tortured in town squares, <laughs> Washington, D.C. or something. Good thing he's dead. Uh, I'm going with he got his own zip code from all of the mail. I like that one. I can believe that. The zip code? The zip code. No one's going for bear breeding? I'm shocked. <laughs> I, I thought you guys would be all over breeding bears. I've, just, I've known some bears big enough to have their own zip code. So, yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right. Well, the correct answer is. Number one, he received so much <gasps> mail, he received his own zip code. Smokey the Bear is, in fact, one of two pe- two individuals in the United States to have their own zip code. Can you guess who the other one is? Santa. Oh. Not Santa. Uh, Not Santa. Not Santa. Does he know? He'll be crestfallen. The answer is the American president. Uh, the president oh, has sense. his own zip code. But uh, <laughs> well, he lives in his own world. <laughs> yeah. Smokey the Bear received so much mail that uh, yeah, basically it was mail- Thousands of letters and honey. <laughs> People just kept sending him honey. So he's had his own oh. zip code since 1965. Well, I'm sh- I bet he needed his own zip code. All those soggy envelopes. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question three. According to Good Housekeeping Magazine, how did Winnie the Pooh get his name? <laughs> One. The author's children were at an age where they were obsessed with bathroom humor when he wrote the book. The children found the name concept so hilarious that it stuck. Two, (laughs) publishers did not look kindly on the early submissions of the book. The author's wife firmly believed in it and kept sending it out, hoping to find a publisher that wouldn't poo-poo it. It was she that eventually changed the name from Winnie the Bear to Winnie the Pooh. After she did so, it was published by the first group she submitted it to. Three, The author's family met a swan on vacation named Pooh. It inspired him so much that he wrote a poem about it and it left such an indelible mark on him that uh, Milne eventually named his most iconic character after it. Hmm. Or four, the character's name was actually a typo that occurred at the typesetters when the book was printed. <laughs> the original name on the, bear, the bear was Winnie the Pook, a nod to, Welsh fairy, to a Welsh fairy friend that would only befriend one special person at a time. When the typesetters were working, they mistook, mistook the K for an H uh, when printing the first sample page for the test run. Milne liked Poo so much better than Pook that he changed the rest of the book to match. <laughs> hmm. uh, so <laughs> I like I, I like the poo pooing. You like the poo pooing. <laughs> 
I, I'm going with the the typesetting error. I got a typesetting error. Although, yeah, especially because Winnie the Pook just sounds so wrong in so many ways. <laughs> like, it really, if that was the original, it did, it needed to be changed. <laughs> I want to do uh, the 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 wife one, but Dan's doing that, so I will do the Swan one. <laughs> You'll do the Swan I, one. I also yes. like the Swan one. Yeah, because I'm kind of torn between them. All right. We have no takers for bathroom humor of children. How no, strange. It's not that kind of poo. Well, the correct <laughs> answer is, in fact, the swan. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. there are actually two different swan related stories that apparently the name might have come from. It was one, a swan named Pooh they met on vacation. And two, the sound their their son would make when blowing away the swan feathers their neighbor's swan would leave behind. Poo. Ah. Poo. <laughs> So there you go. Oh, that's so Our obscure. final question for the day. Baloo oh, yeah. is one of Disney's <laughs> most famous movie bears, but he's even more famous than you might know. This is because, one, he was a favorite of Prince Andrews of England when the boy was growing up, so a life-sized replica was constructed in the royal nursery. Two, Baloo was especially loved in China. The first major cartoon series produced in China for, for China uh, featured a character with a name that translates to Happy Fat Lucky Bear, which featured a character that looked and sounded nearly identical to Baloo. The courts found in Disney's favor when they sued the Chinese production company never actually paid them a cent. Three, Rudyard Kipling used the Baloo character in many of his books, with a bear named Baloo appearing in Gunga Din, Just So Stories, and The White Man's Burden. Or four, Disney liked Baloo so much they skinned him and used him in a second movie. <laughs> I I'm I, I know the answer to this. <gasps> Damn. So so Michael will answer last. Uh, I, yes, I'll answer last. I, I'm going to go with the 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 Chinese lawsuit. Chinese lawsuit. Yeah. Trevor, I'm going to go with four because I I'm pretty sure you are this- just phrasing it that way. <laughs> Wait, they skinned him and put him in another movie. No. <laughs> and Michael, I uh, I am also going with four. <gasps> um, yeah, they, Don did phrase it a certain way, but it kind I of did. still holds water. I might have phrased it a little incorrectly, intentionally. <laughs> the correct answer is, in fact, number four. And it would be more proper to say not that he they skinned the bear, but that they reskinned the bear. The animated version of Baloo may seem familiar to Disney fans. He would later reappear as Little John in the 1973 Robin Hood movie, thanks to the new animation process of xerography developed by Disney uh, to basically uh, photocopy old animation that they could then draw over. Uh, So there are actually a number of different things. Uh, that you have seen, re-seen different character, mm-hmm. uh, Disney characters reskinned doing. Yeah, there's a few characters they did that too. But so the famous it, one in this really... one is uh, astute viewers will also notice that Baloo's Dance with King Louie is the exact mm-hmm. same as that of Little John and Lady Cluck mm-hmm. with yeah, a few wardrobe yep, yep, changes. Yep. So there you go. Now you know more about your favorite fat bears. See, I want to know if Baloo <laughs> gets residuals from the Robin Hood movie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, All thanks right, for spending boys. another hour with us yes. at the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Yay. Good luck, future Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Got my work cut out for me. As do you, Trevor. Yes. Uh, so. Go, 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 go. <laughs> do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Oh, God. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter as at Big, at Big Fat Gay Pod. 
We're on Facebook as The Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five-star reviews there. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher 2. See all the lovely materials <laughs> we referenced at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Um, and yeah, that's it. I did it all. <laughs> 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 I, I did it a little different for people are going to be like, oh, Trevor's changing it up on us, but it's done. Um, He's looking for a shorter version. Yeah, perhaps. So here we are. Yeah. Perhaps you're an anthropomorphic bear listening to this week's episode uh, to distract yourself while you await the results of uh, <laughs> Fat Bear Week. And you get a knock at the door. And it's a really hairy man in a tiny bathing suit. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of wiggles his eyebrows at you and then puts his thumbs down the sides of his swimsuit. So uh, look out. Yeah. Okay. Damn this week. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> 